Welcome to Cover Stories with Chess Life, the U.S. Chess Federation podcast that goes behind the scenes and in-depth with each month's cover story author. I'm your host, Dan Lucas, the Senior Director of Strategic Communication at U.S. Chess, a 501c3 nonprofit organization with an educational mission of empowering people through chess one move at a time. To become a member, go to uschess.org and click on the Join button, or if you're already a member, please consider donating to us by clicking on the Give button. As a member, you enjoy rated play, print or digital copies of Chess Life and Chess Life Kids, promotional discounts at uscfsales.com, and you help U.S. Chess grow the game. Now start your clock and let's listen to this month's edition of Cover Stories with Chess Life. So our guest today is Jennifer Valens of Westlake Village, California. Jennifer founded Off the Rook Entertainment in 2013. She runs scholastic tournaments in Southern California, where she serves on the board of the Southern California Chess Federation, the Karpov International Chess School, and the Chess Journalists of America. Besides Chess Life, she's published articles in New in Chess and on Chess Base. She manages worldwide events, publicity, and promotion for the Blindfold King, Grandmaster Timur Gary of our cover subject last month, and she has a background in marketing which she uses to create opportunities to unite the chess community. When she's not working in chess, she teaches yoga and runs mental health support groups for those in treatment and recovery. Jennifer, welcome to Cover Stories with Chess Life. Well, thank you, Dan. It's my pleasure. So that's a pretty extensive bio um, and very wide-ranging. You know, with all those interests, you know, tell, tell us more about yourself and how you started in chess and what's kept your interest in this great game. Okay. Well, I was first introduced to chess by my son. Uh, he was enrolled in an after-school enrichment class at school. He was in kindergarten at the time, and he taught me to play. But um, I actually didn't really get interested in chess until I read um, Jen Shahadi's book, Chess Bitch. That really got me interested in uh, learning more about the chess community and elite chess players and um, the community at large. And um, uh, regarding my son, I started a local chess newsletter called Off the Rook. And you can actually see past issues on my website, uh, www.offtherook.com. And then I met Timur Gareev, and my chess career kind of took a life of its own after that. But what keeps me interested is definitely the community and a sense of belonging. How did you and Timur end up meeting? We met at a chess tournament in San Diego. My son was playing. It was our first big tournament. Uh, we had seen, we looked up at the pairings. This was our first big tournament, and we saw someone that was rated, uh, I think he was 27 something at the time or maybe 26 80 or something like that and we we're like i wonder who that is and then we saw this fellow wearing pajamas um <laughs> <laughs> walking the halls this strange looking guy and it ended up being that guy and um we just started talking to him and i asked him if i could interview him for my newsletter and uh that's how it started tell us about the the name off the rook it's a little bit out there where did that come from Oh, um, I just, I thought it was kind of cool. It just kind of was a play off of off the hook and uh, just wanted to make chess kind of cool for the mainstream. So you, the article that you wrote, that's the cover story of our December issue, it's called The Challenges of Chess Parenting. How do you help your children reach their potential without damaging their self-confidence or yours? 
You know, you pretty much started as HS parent right away. And then as an organizer, you got to see the other side of it. Uh, tell us a little bit about the, the two sides. Uh, what were some of your initial surprises um, when, when you started as a chess parent? Well, you know, I don't claim to be an expert at being a chess parent. Um, I wrote the article based on just my personal experience, but actually having been a chess organizer and being able to see and meet so many other chess parents, um, I kind of just have a different perspective. The surprises were uh, attending scholastic chess tournaments and seeing uh, chess parents just heard um, at the doors, you know, and, and basically creating like fire hazards. It was like Black Friday. That was really surprising to me. Now, did your kids, before they were in chess, were they in Little League or soccer or swim team, anything like that? No, this was our first uh, real after school kind of interest. Have they been in any other kind of uh, children's leagues since they became involved in chess? <laughs> we back to a baseball field, so we do have experience with seeing uh, Little League and other kinds of parents, um, and my kids do play basketball. But it's not the same. <laughs> I'm sure the competitive nature is, but but the chess parents all smashing up against the walls. I mean, it, it's pretty insane. But what about in what to me is kind of almost like a field guide to chess parents. We we have some very cute art, I think, very uh, that that go with the various types of chess parents that types that you identified. And do you do you see those in Little League as well? Uh. I would say probably there's a lot of pressure cooker parents in Little League and helicopter parents overall. Just as a society right now, we've got a lot of helicopter parents, academic competitiveness, um, both in sports and academics. And of the types that you identified, which one do you think you were closest to? I'm a bit of a hot mess at times. Um and I probably am most like the social butterfly and maybe a little bit of a cheerleader to <laughs> some extent. <laughs> um, so my favorite part of the story you tell in this article is when you talk about bonding with your son via chess travel. Let's, let's talk more about that. Okay. Uh, I really, I've taken my son to quite a bit of chess tournaments, both, you know, long drives and also flying across the country. And uh, it's really been a great opportunity to focus on his needs. We've met people, new friends, we've seen new places, but mostly uh, developing relationships and seeing people who have become long, lifelong friends. So it's always a joy to, to come back and, and see people um, that we've met and built these relationships with. One of my favorite scenes in Searching for Bobby Fisher is when the uh, Josh Waitzkin's teacher is talking about uh, how all she's heard about Josh's travel is the hotel in this city and the hotel in that city. <laughs> but it sounds like you have a, a little bit more of a well-rounded experience. I really do try to see the city. And, and uh, it's not only about chess. It's more about bonding with my son. So, you know, we have our uh Best question contest uh, for every issue, every episode of Cover Stories with Chess Life. And listeners, if you're interested in your chance of winning a $50 gift certificate to uh, uscfsales.com, please send your question to podcast at uschess.org. And we have a few questions here. I'm going to uh, start with a couple of them and we'll lead to the, to the best question. Um, the first one 
came from uh, Alexi Root, who's a chess parent herself, a former U.S. women's champion. And she asks, what is the best chess decision you made on behalf of your own children? Oh, that's tough because if you've read the article, I've had a lot of challenges with the, questioning my decisions with chess. Um, but I think uh, not putting pressure on my son, um, letting following his lead has been my best decision. And, you know, what, what's interesting about that is uh, we, we should say your son was actually part of a chess life cover uh some years ago, I think it was 2015, if I'm remembering correctly, when he was on one of the the winning teams at the uh, U.S. Amateur Team West that then won the national championship that that year. So obviously, some there was some uh, good decision making that went into that. Well, actually, that's a funny story because uh, we weren't part of a team. My son had just wanted to play. We thought about just driving down because it was about a 45-minute drive to where the tournament was. But I happened to see on Facebook Ted Castro, who I had never met before. He was looking for someone to play on the fourth board. So it was just a fluke that we we took this opportunity. We had no idea they had won uh, the tournament two years in a row and that he would end up being on a three-peat winning team. This was uh, It was just a complete surprise. So... Uh, that was, it wasn't really a decision I made. It was just a, a happy accident. Now, did your son realize what a big deal it is to make the cover of Chess Life? There's, there are grandmasters who have never been on the cover of Chess Life. <laughs> I, I, I really, I, I don't know if he actually got the, the, the magnitude of, of the opportunity. No. <laughs> Please tell me that the issue is, or at least the cover is framed and on a wall somewhere it in your house. It is framed. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. In well, fact, Ted had blown it up for us and had it framed, and that's what's hanging in uh, our experience. Very cool. Now, our next question comes from Christopher Shirley. He says, how much should you push a younger chess enthusiast to develop? And to me, that's interesting because of the word push in that question. I agree. I agree. It, it depends on what your definition of push is. Um, I believe in finding every opportunity to um, allow your child to play and reach their potential, but I don't think that requires pushing. Uh, you provide the opportunity. I think the child is self-motivated. If they want to learn and become better, you have to just allow them to have opportunities to do that. You can't really push someone. Um, into something. They'll lose their enjoyment for it. And he actually provided a little bit of follow-up to that question that that I think adds um, uh, some some context. His eight-year-old is rated around 1,000 and is actively interested in chess. And his dad, uh, Mr. Shirley, says that he struggles with knowing how much time he should spend on puzzles versus playing, how often to take him to tournaments, things like that. And he wants to, he's having trouble with the struggle between being supportive and nudging or pushing too far. I, I, I understand that struggle. 
<laughs> that's been my, my, my struggle as well. And I guess that really comes down to it's an experiment of one that what that knowing your own own child is the best way to absolutely make these decisions. So uh, this all leads to what I've judged to be our best question. And Mike Bowden, you are the winner of our $50 gift certificate provided by USCF Sales that is waiting for you in your email inbox now. Mike's question is, how can we help newer players accept the loss without taking it personally or wanting to give up? Good question. Um, It's a learning opportunity. If you can see what, there's always a takeaway. And if you realize that everyone loses, even grandmasters, they all have losses and what do they do from them that they, they study their loss and that they, they figure out how they can use it so that they don't repeat that same mistake so it's always an opportunity to learn and grow and get and improve and giving and as a parent just being supportive is just being there and um giving your child a hug when they lose not uh berating them or questioning them just simply being with them And this is why I also like to talk about the sporting aspects of chess, because if you think of it in a sporting sense, I think it's easier to accept a loss that way and learn from the loss. Um, If you're viewing it more as as science, then you start to feel like your very intellect is being attacked when you have a loss. So because and, you know, that's something personally I still struggle with. I can shrug off a loss on the tennis court a lot easier than I can shrug off a loss on the chessboard. And it's because I feel like, yeah, I, I must be a dummy if I'm if I'm losing on the chessboard. I think if you're playing your best, the best of your ability at every game, then you're winning. Uh, it's not a loss. That's the best you can do. And and it it shouldn't get you down. There's all you're competing against yourself every time you're at that chessboard. So that's how I I'm not a big competitor myself. So for me, chess is about the enjoyment, learning, the enrichment and all of that. So it's kind of hard because I'm not a big competitive person. You don't sound you do not sound like a yoga instructor at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so through Off the Rook, you're a chess organizer as well. Yes. Um, and are, are these primarily scholastic events or are they for adults as well? No, I do uh, four scholastic uh, chess tournaments a year. And then I also uh, run other events. We'll, we'll do chess camps and things like that. Um, or I also run events for Timor around the country, but um, which would be for adults as well. But m- the tournaments I run, the Off the Rook tournaments are scholastic. So... As, as a scholastic tournament organizer, do you find yourself dealing with parents differently because of your own personal experiences as a chess parent? Well, um, it's different because as a chess parent, <laughs> when I attend a tournament, I want, uh, A, healthy food at the tournament. I want, you know, outdoor space for my child to run and play. But as an organizer, it's a little bit different. Uh, profit comes into play, so you kind of have to see the tournament a little bit differently um and you know pizza and chips and soda are what sell (laughs) that's what people are going to buy um but you try to provide an environment um for chess parents where they can um, relax and have uh their own um like skittles room and and make it an environment that's um, comfortable for them as well as the players um but it is different um seeing parents 
as a chess parent, um, when I interact with parents, you can avoid people. But as an organizer, you've got a customer service role. And uh, it's really important to validate parents' concerns as petty as they might be. Um, you really have to validate their concerns. So, uh, and try to just uh, make it as comfortable for everyone as possible. So it's an enjoyable experience. And uh, what, what what's the typical number of participants at your events? We typically get about 80. Uh, we've had as many as 130 and as few, uh, we've never had less than 65. So the reason for that question is, the reason your article was scheduled as our December cover story is the National K-12 Grade Championships will be held in Orlando on December 14th through 16th. And then right around the corner, we have our spring national events coming up next year, the National Elementary, High School, and Junior High events. And undoubtedly, there are going to be some people listening to us now who have never been to a national event before. Uh, you're well experienced with that. What what do you think that a parent bringing their kid to a national championship for the first time should most be aware of? And what are some secondary concerns? Oh, wow. Um, so having um, having your child know how to set their own clock, <laughs> I think is probably a key, key figure. But just being prepared. Um, um, talking to other parents is a good idea. Having your kid, um, having played club tournaments before uh, is probably a good experience before heading to a national tournament. Uh, I, I think for me, I, that was one of our, our harder experiences. We did, attended our first nationals um, and my son was not part of any kind of team. And when you get there and you see all these teams, uh, the team environment, it really creates this energy. So I would really encourage parents to try to find others in their communities and build those teams and, and attend nationals uh, like with a united front and really building community around it. I'm I'm curious if your son had a favorite national of, or or favorite event of his own, whether it be local or national. Oh, um, well, I would have to ask him, but I would uh, think he Millionaire Chess was a really really uh, exciting tournament. So was the Amateur Team West. I mean, not just because he was on a winning team, but because that was our own experience, our only experience being on a on a team. And really, for me, I thought that was the most rewarding for him. To, to be on a team as the fourth board. So Jennifer, this was a lot of fun. This article was a lot of fun to, to read and work on. Uh, do you have any final parting thoughts out there for uh, either experienced chess parents or brand new ones? Well, for brand new chess parents, I would highly encourage, uh, you know, getting a U.S. chess membership um, so that you can play in, in tournaments, rated tournaments. Uh, also joining um, or getting an account on chesskid.com or chess.com is really, really helpful as well as looking for just opportunities for your kid to play. But I think the most important that I would give for new players is have your child teach you how to play as a parent. I think that's really valuable to give your child a sense of accomplishment and having them be in the mentoring and teaching role. Uh, and it also strengthens their chess. Skills 
when they have to, it's the Socratic method, right? You know, um, when you teach it to somebody else, it helps you learn. So that would be my biggest advice to new players. Uh, nothing in there about uh, making a family friend of a world-class grandmaster like Timor? <laughs> well, that that can't hurt anything. <laughs> <laughs> So, again, Jennifer, this was a lot of fun. Thank you very much. And uh, we we look forward to your future articles in Chess Life and Chess Life Kids. Thank you for the opportunity, Dan. Always a pleasure talking to you. Bye-bye. Bye. So now is time for our monthly segment, Checking In with Jen, where we talk to our senior digital editor, Jennifer Shahadi, about everything happening in our digital division of the communications department at U.S. Chess. So, Jen, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. We should mention that you are speaking to us coming off of a extended uh, broadcast duties at the St. Louis Chess Club, where you were one of the three Today in Chess hosts covering the World Championship. Yeah, that was pretty fun. I mean, wow, I was totally on the edge of my seat for the entire match. I know it was controversial because like there were 12 draws, so some people wanted more blood spilled. But from my perspective, having such um, a deep interest in both players, uh, particularly Fabiano Camarana. It, it was just the most breathtakingly exciting chess I'd ever seen. Um, of course, didn't end so well for our guy. Um, you know, he he really had a tough day at the office um, in the tiebreak, but I'm still really um, excited about the growth of American chess and about Fabi in the future because it's like getting the experience in this match is something that has no value to it in terms of the chances of if you get it, if you get in the same spot again, having a better chance to win. No, absolutely, and and certainly last month when you and I talked, we were filled with high hopes about uh, this world championship and the women's world championship, and that you know maybe we we might have uh, uh, two new American world champions, but it, it didn't quite work out. But still, as you say, it's been an incredible year for U.S. chess this this whole entire year. Silver medal at the Olympiad, um, senior a, a brand new senior team that won gold uh, in the 50-plus division. So uh, just an awful lot happened this year. Oh, God, yes. It's been completely insane in a good way. Um, Raj Chenaretti recently won a gold medal over at the World Cadet Championships in Spain, and that was like, wow, the World Championship was taking place. Um, and we had a couple other medals awarded in that event as well. Um, and it's been so crazy, but it's like really exciting. All the great content we're getting up on Chess Life Online, uh, it, the uh, World Championship itself, we've had just phenomenal coverage from international master Eric Rosen on our social media. We've just really just blown off all the charts in terms of Twitter impressions. And it's really exciting to see um, new people kind of interested in chess and in U.S. chess because of this event. And to that point, we are moving into another big event that will be taking place uh, December 14th to 16th in Orlando. It's our national K-12 grade championships. What do we have uh, booked for that online? Well, actually, my brother, Greg Shahadi, is going to be doing social media coverage for that. And he's always really good at that because he's He's funny and he really um, knows a lot of the players from his work with U.S. chess schools. So it's such an overwhelming event if you don't really if you don't know who's who. And uh, Greg kind of just gets in there and gets great quotes from all the top players and then some of the underdogs as well. So I'm really excited to see um, his work from there as well. And this is not something he does all the time which I think is great because it kind of keeps it fresh. And he says that the K-12 is just his favorite event. 
So I, I like to hear people just kind of come out and say, like, this is my favorite because it really adds it shows that each event has its own personality. And I think what he likes about the K-12 is that there's so many champions and the, the fact that they're segmented into different sections means that the top dogs always play each other, whereas in some of the bigger tournaments, it's harder. You don't get all the, the pairings. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm really excited to see um, that. I'm, unfortunately, I can't come to this one, but I'm going to be in some of the other nationals coming up up in the spring and I'll be doing some streaming. I'll be doing some activities in the girls rooms, which uh, are also one of my favorite things about these uh, scholastic events that we run. And we will be streaming from this one as well. Uh, the address for that is twitch.tv slash US chess. And our streamers at this event are going to be national master William Aramel and FM Jennifer Yu. So that should be a lot of fun for people watching online. Oh, great. Yeah, well, I worked with Will in, um, in Madison, and he's great. He's got a great personality. He'll be really good. And, of course, Jennifer is uh, doing fantastically lately, having earned a, a medal for us at the Olympiad over in Batumi. So, yeah, it should be a really star, star-filled team and lots of excitement. And the other way to follow the action is to look for that hashtag K12 Chess Champs. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, definitely use that. Greg's going to be on Twitter. I'm sure he's, he'll make an appearance in the Twitch stream as well at some point in the in the weekend. So, yeah, it's going to be a great event. I, I, I'm, I can't be more excited about all this stuff that's coming off on the website. Um, we also have Kosta Kavutsky doing a lot of stuff on U.S. chess lately. Yeah, he did a lot of annotations for the World Chess Championships, and I love his annotation style. I, I really think he's maybe one of my favorite annotators. I know something about it, just like a lot of chess annotations, if you're not in the mood to read them, they're a little dense. His are just always really right to the point and interesting. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm a huge fan. Any of you that are actually fans of uh, Jennifer's, if you're interested in working directly for her, we have a job opportunity that's currently posted on our website under the announcement section. You know, so Jen, tell people a little bit about that. Yeah, that's right. We've got a new job opening at US Chess in the uh, digital department. So we've got an opening for a digital editor and they'll be doing um, work on editing stories, writing stories and uh, social media. So it should be a lot of fun, especially if you love chess. I mean, one of the big requirements is um, having some, some kind of knowledge of chess in the chess industry and being good at writing and social media. So it feels like in general, the chess world is getting a lot better at that and a lot more engaged. So I feel that we're going to get a lot of strong applicants. And if anybody is listening to this, um, I hope you consider applying because it's a telecommuting job. So it's really it's flexible. Like we want you to work at least some of our core hours so that you can communicate with other staff who um, are on the nine to five schedule, but you can also flex some of the hours. So it's, it's really a good opportunity. And the, uh, all the details about what are required are on our website at uschess.org under the announcement section. Uh, just search for U.S. Chess Job Opportunity, colon, digital editor. Uh, you should know that the application deadline is December 17th, and we do look forward to uh, potentially interviewing you for, for uh, any of you listeners that are think you're qualified for this position and are interested in a career in chess. Turn your hobby into a career, right? Exactly. Yeah. And you, you often find that it really helps you with other connections as well, it, getting into a job like this. And it, it's just, it's really interesting. I mean, it's so dynamic and there's so many different facets. It's not like one thing all the time. And the other thing is, while it is a part-time job, uh, it, 
there are so many things happening in the U.S. chess community that there are definitely growth opportunities uh, in, involved with this as well. Oh, yeah, I would say that. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I've noticed that in the last – I'm also in the poker world, and I noticed really like the last few weeks with the world championship, there's like a really like a buzz and a sense of growth in chess that I've never seen before. Um, I, people are, are really just flocking to it, and there's just something in the air where I, I really think we're going to see – even though Fabi didn't win, obviously it'd be even better if he won – I see um, a lot of growth happening in chess, and I think it's a lot of the great partners that we have, like the St. Louis Chess Club is growing, all of the different online venues in chess are growing by leaps and bounds, YouTube is starting to connect a lot more with chess as, as well as Twitch. I mean, we had like, uh, chess was like the most popular um, thing to watch over the last few weeks on Twitch, over like League of Legends and poker and everything. Yeah, no, that that was an amazing thing that I just read today myself. Um, so that is a lot of fun. It also makes it sound like our holiday wishes have already come true. But uh, that being said, I will wish you a happy holiday season. And thank you for another fun Checking In with Jen segment. Yeah, happy holidays to everybody. And I'd like to remind everyone who we've got so much great content on the website. So be sure to bookmark uschess.org slash CLO because I've gotten a lot of feedback from people that they sometimes miss the articles if they only have uschess.org bookmarked. So yeah, really try to um, or just get used to typing that into your, your bar. Thank you, Jen. Bye-bye. Bye, Dan. Thank you for joining us on this December edition of Cover Stories with Chess Life. Make sure to listen next month when I talk to Grandmaster Maurice Ashley about his cover story on the U.S. team's silver medal at the Olympiad. Write in with your questions now for Grandmaster Ashley to podcast at uschess.org for our best question contest sponsored by uscfsales.com for your chance to win a $50 gift certificate. Our companion podcast, One Move at a Time, will be available on December 11th and all archive shows are at the podcast link on uschess.org slash CLO. 